Let's just take a brief stroll, if you will, tonight before we get into the heart of the text at people here that is just mentioned in Timothy's, in Paul's second letter to Timothy that are causing trouble within the church. Look back at chapter 1, if you will, of 2 Timothy and verse number 15. Paul mentions two of them there. He said, This thou knowest, that all they which are, which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom is Phygelus and Hermogenes. He mentions there two people that are, that are identifying within the faith that have already lined up with Paul, but now the people in Asia along with these are people who have turned away from the faith. Uh, had you seen these individuals and talked with these individuals, you would have heard them speaking the Paul language. You would have heard them using the cliches, using the church language, saying the things that you think would make them a Christian. But truly, they were not. Chapter 2, verse 17 that I read about this evening, in, uh, he said uh, talks about uh, avoiding this vain babbling, and he mentions two individuals whose words and lives are eating away at the church like a canker. They are Hymenus hi, hi, and Philetus. There again, two more individuals within the church, within side. These are not pagans on the outside. These are people on the inside. If you turn over in this same letter to chapter 4 and verse number 10, he will mention Demas, uh, who forsook Paul. And the reason he did was he loved this present world. In verse 14 of chapter 4, he will mention Alexander the coppersmith, who did him much evil. So all, just in these four short chapters, in this, in this short second letter that Paul writes to Timothy, he is calling people by name, people who are opposing the work of God and opposing the very truth that Timothy is trying to stand for. Now, I want to be honest in this. We can go back through this book again, and we can find people who were true to God. We can find people who were there to help Timothy and to encourage him. In chapter 1, verse 5, Timothy's grandmother and his mother are mentioned again, Lois and Eunice. In chapter 1, verse 16, Onesiphorus is mentioned. He had refreshed Paul even in his prison. In chapter 4 and verse number 11, he mentions Luke. Luke is with him. Only Luke is with me. Paul mentions him. What an encouragement. And then if you look in chapter 4, uh, down in the verses under verse number 11, we'll look at these in the future, he mentions uh, Prisca and Aquila and Erastus and Trophimus and Eubulus and Pudens and Linus and Claudia. There are people who are there to be an encouragement and to be a help inside the church. But we need to understand tonight that, as we just sang about, that everything is not on bed of, beds of ease when it comes to living for Christ. In reading our text tonight, verse number 15 uh, appealed to my heart. It stood out to me as kind of the hub of verses 14 through 18 because it brings to mind this situation of men and women being approved of God. Paul wanted Timothy to show himself, to be diligent, to show himself, to study, to be diligent, to show himself approved of God. Whether we like to admit it or not, oftentimes we worry about whether we are approved of certain people, whether certain people are pleased with us, whether certain people like us, whether certain people give us a thumbs up. 
whether people really approve of what we are doing. I remember hearing a message years ago when I was pastoring uh, in Taylorsville. I remember hearing a preacher preach on the danger, the danger of needing man's approval. I've listened to that message numerous times throughout my ministry and life since then and tried to use what he taught and preached that night to remind me that my goal is to be approved by God, to be approved unto God, for my life to be well-pleasing unto Him. And the reason I mentioned all of these people, whether they are people who are encouraging Timothy or people that Paul mentioned who are going against the faith, there are people all around Timothy. And whether it be the pros or the cons, whether it be the negatives or the positives, Paul wants Timothy to understand that he should be concerned foremost and above all things by being approved unto God. And that's what I want us to look at for a few moments tonight in verse number 15. This is one of the first verses that I remember memorizing uh, in training union when I was a, uh, a young boy. I remember learning this and standing up in front of the church and repeating this verse. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It was our training union motto. We said it every Sunday evening before we went to our class and studied the word of God. It holds a special place in my heart. Paul tells Timothy to study. It's translated in some English translations, be diligent, or show yourself approved of God. To study or to be diligent means to spare no effort. Paul is saying to Timothy, spare no effort in showing yourself approved unto God. Don't worry, don't worry about these men and women who are preaching and teaching false doctrine. Don't worry about pleasing them. You be diligent. You put forth an effort. It also means to work at it. It means to carry out the task. Or he's saying to Timothy, I want you to do your very, very best to be approved by Almighty God. Because in the long run, in the end of it, that is all that really matters. Maybe you tonight know the pressure of trying to please people or the pressure of trying to be approved by certain people. I shared this with Kim years ago in, our, in my first pastorate, I believe it was, there was a young man there who would occasionally stand and testify. And I, I would notice from the pulpit, the rest of the congregation couldn't see it, but there was another man in that congregation who was supposed to be uh, spiritual. He was supposed to be the one who knew uh, everything about God. And I, I mentioned to Kim one night going home, I said to her, I said, uh, I want you to notice the next time that, that this young man testifies, I want you to watch him if you're where you can and look at what he does. And everything he would say in his testimony, he would turn to look to this other, uh, this other individual to see if he approved of what he was saying. And I thought to myself, what a, what, a sad, what a sad situation that is tonight for us to be worried about being approved by each other. What we need to focus on tonight is to be approved by Almighty God. An Old Testament example of this and what Paul is commanding Timothy to do in verse 15 can be found in the book of Ezra, chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. Listen what the Bible says 
about this great man Ezra. For upon the first day of the first month began he to go up from Babylon, and on the first day of the fifth month came he to Jerusalem according to the good hand of God upon him. Now listen to this tenth verse of chapter 7 of Ezra. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it, and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Whenever the children of Israel came back out of Babylonian captivity, those people, there was a lot of pressure to do a lot of things. But thank God for men like Nehemiah and for men like Ezra who set their heart, they prepared their heart to seek the Word of God, to know what the Word of God wanted them to do, and to teach that Word in Israel, the statutes and the judgments of God. With all of the pressure surrounding them, the pressure to rebuild, the pressure to start the offerings, the pressure to do all the things that they were to get in place again once the people returned, I'm grateful the Bible said that Ezra prepared his heart to be pleasing to God, to take the Word of God so the people of God would do not what Ezra wanted them to do, or not what the majority wanted them to do, but do exactly what the Word of God taught them to do. If you look deeply into our text tonight, you will see that the Word of God is preeminent here in young Timothy being a workman that would never have to be ashamed. Because if he rightly divided the Word of God, and if he adhered to the Word of God, he wouldn't have to worry about being approved of God. And that's the heart of what's being said tonight in this passage. First of all, if you'll notice in verse 15, he's to study to show himself approved unto God. The word approved there comes from the Greek word dokimos, which basically means anything tested and found to be fit for service. So he's saying to Timothy, you be diligent. You put forth the effort, Timothy. I want you to spare no effort in being found to be fit for service. Whenever you are put through the test of whatever it is God puts you through, Paul said, I want you to be found worthy for service. This Greek word is used seven times in the New Testament. And I think it would be helpful for us tonight to listen to how it is used. I want to read these seven passages. The one I just read is one of them. So I want to read six passages where this Greek word is used and it's translated approved in most of them, but in one it'll be you, the word English word will be tried. Listen to Romans 14, 18. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. In Romans 16, 10, salute Apelles, approved in Christ. Salute them which are of the household. 1 Corinthians eleven nineteen. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. The word is being used as you will see after they're put through things, whether they are good or whether they are bad. Listen to 2 Corinthians 10, 18. For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. 2 Corinthians 13, 7. Now I pray to God that you do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that ye should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobates. And then James chapter 1 verse 12, probably more familiar to you. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried. The English word tried there comes from this Greek word I just mentioned, 
that we're translated approved. Blessed is a man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, when he is put through the test, when he is, has come through the fire, and his true metals show him to be what he claims to be, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. So those words and passages should give you a clearer, a clearer understanding of what Paul is saying to Timothy. I want you to spare no effort. I want you to do everything that you must do to show yourself, to be diligent, to show that you pass the test when you stand before God, that you are approved unto God, that what you are preaching is approved by God, what you are teaching is approved by God. For certainly there are men preaching and teaching things that is not approved by God. And Timothy, I want you to spare no effort, spare no effort to show that what you are doing is approved of God. Commenting on that word approved there in verse 15 of our text, Presbyterian pastor and author Donald Barnhouse writes these words. Listen, and I quote, In the ancient world there was no banking system as we know it today. There was no paper money. All money was made from metal. It was heated until liquid, it become liquid, poured into molds and allowed to cool. When the coins were cooled, it was necessary to smooth off the uneven edges. The coins were comparatively soft, and of course, many people shaved them closely. In one century, more than 80 laws were passed to stop the practice of shaving down the coins in circulation. But some money changers were men of integrity who would accept no counterfeit money. They were men of honor who put only genuine, full-weighted money into circulation. Some men were called approved, or dokamos, as the Greek word said. They were approved men because they never cut back, they never shaved down, they never made it lighter than what it was supposed to be. If you've ever had a bag of potato chips, and it says on the back, some settling occurs, Go ahead halfway down the pack and cut it open because it's settled all the way down to the bottom. And it may look like it's all fluffed up on the shelf, but it really is deceiving from the packaging. This is what Paul is saying to Timothy. You are not to be deceiving. You are not to shave down the Word of God. You are not to make it less, you are not to make it, uh, uh, less weighty than what it is. You are, not to, you are not to try to live a life or preach a message that is somehow less than what the Word of God is truly saying. Evidently, that is what was happening among the false teachers and the, and the false preachers of Timothy's day. So Paul is saying to Timothy, I want you to be diligent. I want you to put forth the effort. I want you to spare no expense, Timothy. I want you to do the work and make sure that what you live and what you preach and what you teach, that God will stamp it and say that is approved by me you have said it just like I wrote it in the word of God or you have lived it just like I ask you to live it again this word approved in James 1 12 was translated tried it magnifies again the thought that brother Barnhouse mentioned of metal which has been cleansed of all impurity and whenever metal is cleansed of impurity it makes it strong when it's got things in it that's not right it makes it weak. That's why when people today preach a gospel 
that is saturated with their opinions and their ideologies. And they preach a message that is, that is filled with, with slick cliches. And, it, and, it, and it's just what man thinks about it. And little rhymes and, and poetries that man has thrown in it. What they are doing is taking away from the weightiness of the Word of God and the weightiness of the Gospel. And that's what Ezra did whenever he studied the law of God. He wanted to teach that to the people just like God said so they would never go back into captivity again. Paul is saying to this young preacher, you be diligent, you study to show yourself approved unto God. Therefore, what is approved will be trustworthy when you stand and proclaim it. It means the weakness has been removed and all that's left is the strength, and all that's left is the purity. I don't, I don't know what you really want in your heart out of those who preach and teach to you the Word of God, but I'll tell you this, if you want anything less than the pure truth of God, you're wanting the wrong thing, because it is only the truth of God. It is only the truth that makes men free and that gives us what we need. Paul said, not only study, but he said, I want you to be able to show yourself an unashamed workman. A workman that will never have to be ashamed. Now this word workman describes someone who is engaged in labor. Someone who affects something or brings about an effect through their exertion of effort. Whether that's mentally, physically, or spiritually. They are putting forth an effort. Jesus said, if you remember, He said to His disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but what is few? The laborers are few. Those men who want to put forth the effort. That's why He said to them, pray that the Lord will send forth laborers. It's the same thought as translated in our text here, workmen, that God will send forth men who will put forth the effort. Men who are workmen. Where do you find workmen in our day? Where do you, we used to could find employees. Lord knows you can't find many of them anymore. But where do you find people who truly put forth an effort at what they are doing, who truly labor? You know, years ago, and most of you will remember this, years ago if somebody wanted to learn a trade, they would go to a craftsman. It may be their father or their grandfather or a total stranger. They would go to a craftsman. They would go to a master of a trade. And they would work under that master until they learned that trade. Maybe they wanted to make furniture. So they would go to a furniture maker who was a craftsman. He was a maker. He was able to do things. And they would say, will you train me? We call that word apprenticeship. And the person would live with that master. And they would work with them. And the knowledge and wisdom that the master had would be imparted to the servant. That is what has taken place here in verse 15. Paul is trying to impart to Timothy the wisdom that he has and telling him. And Timothy, Timothy is accepting it. Timothy is believing it. And we need that tonight in the Christian life. We certainly need that in the pulpit. Many of the young preachers that I deal with today, they, uh, they don't... They don't need anything except an opportunity. They've done got it mastered. They, they, know, they know how to, how to master that. They know how to do that. It, it's in every aspect of life. People who come into a new job, they want to be paid the same thing the guy that's been there 40 years is being paid. Because they know how to do it. They Googled it before they came. They know how to do that. 
I mean, they know all of that stuff the same way with people today. I know how to live. I don't need the Word of God. You know, I've got, every, I've got all my ducks in a row. Paul is saying to the young preacher, you be diligent. You be diligent. Put forth every effort. Be a workman that will not have to be ashamed when you stand before God. It means a faithful workman will have no painful emotion of guilt or shortcoming or mishandling of anything pertaining to his life and his calling. I don't know how close I am to the end of my ministry. I may be closer than I think, but I do know I'm closer than I've ever been in my life to the end of my ministry. And I think about this often. I, I look back and I think, would God I could do that over? Would God I could preach that sermon again? I could have done it so much better. Would God I had, I had had this attitude better than the one that I had then? And Paul is touching upon the heart of this and he says to this young preacher, he said, These people's names that I have written in this letter, who have erred from the faith, and who have walked away from me in the gospel, and these who've done me much evil, these will be ashamed workmen. But he said, There are people like your mother and grandmother, and Onesiphorus who's blessed me in my chains, and Luke who has stayed with me, and these others that I've mentioned. Paul said, They are workmen that will not have to feel guilt or be ashamed when they stand before God because they have gave it their very, very best. Think about that. Timothy's grandmother and his mother, when they're standing before God, and they tell God, we took the Scriptures and taught it to Timothy when he was a baby. And the result of that was he was brought to salvation and he knew the Word of God. Remember 2 Corinthians 4. Seeing we have this ministry, we faint not. He is saying that we've not walked in dishonesty or craftiness nor handled the Word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Paul wants Timothy to understand this is no picnic. This is, this is no circus here. This is no preacher show. This is, this is, no, this is not something about you. This is about God and Paul said, I don't want you to be ashamed when you stand before him. Well, how does, he, how does Timothy guarantee that he will not be ashamed when he stands before God? Well, by being diligent, as Paul has said. But notice also how the Word of God is central in this situation. He said, Timothy, if you want to stand before God and be unashamed and be approved, he said, you've got to rightly divide the Word of Truth. That's the very heart of being approved by God. There is no being approved by God for preacher or layman or Christian unless we handle the Word of God correctly. And that's what he's telling it, telling Timothy. That word rightly divided means to make a straight cut. A straight cut. Would you tell your surgeon in the morning, he says, well, I'm doing my my first uh, appendix removal, and you're my first patient. And you say, well, good, Doc. Do you know where the appendix is? He said, well, I'm just going to start cutting and let God lead me. wherever." No. Now, first of all, there'll be no cutting tomorrow. I want someone who knows how to cut it straight. Paul is saying to Timothy, I want you to rightly divide this book. Churches were full of false teachers. Churches already had men and women who were saying things like over in verse number six or 17 and 18, Hymenaeus and Philetus, their word was eating like a 
cancer, a canker, some kind of some kind of infectious ball in the church, the things that they were saying, their vain babblings. And he had charged them in verse 14 not to strive with those kind of words. And they were even saying that uh, they erred, they missed the target by saying that the resurrection was already past. Paul said, Timothy, you live in the midst of that and you cut it straight. You say it just like it is. Let me, let me define it like this. Maybe you'll understand it better. For the farmer, rightly divided means plowing a straight furrow. All of you have seen what a beautiful straight furrow looks like when it's plowed correctly. Also, you've seen those pictures of those men who paint the lines on the road. And if you look down, they do like this sometimes. And sometimes we've even seen where they go around a dead animal and still paint the road. That's not cutting it straight. For the farmer, it means plowing a straight furrow. For the brick mason, it means setting a straight line. For a carpenter, it means using the plumb line, laying a straight foundation. For the seamstress, you ladies, it means cutting the cloth straight. Paul was a tent maker. He knew the word he was using. Timothy, I want you to take the word of God and I want you to handle it like a farmer like a craftsman, a carpenter, I want you to handle it like a brick mason, like a seamstress, like a tent maker. Cut it straight so the corners will come together and the angles will meet. Seems like tonight everyone is taking the Word of God and cutting it so it will line up with their own angles. What the world thinks about gender identity, what the world thinks about male and female, why cut it straight? Why not trim that up and make the, make the cloth fit for our way of thinking? What people think about salvation, about the gospel, about sanctification, about holy living. What people think about heaven. I go to funerals now and heaven is portrayed as this big fishing hole where this lost man's fishing buddies will sit around and fish for all eternity. Or it's an eternal golf course. That's not cutting it straight. There is none of that. Timothy, don't be ashamed when you stand before me. You be a workman. You be a craftsman, Timothy, that cuts it just like God has said it was to be cut. You and I are seeing the results of a culture that has taken shortcuts away from the Word of God. We see it in every aspect of social life and spiritual life. The things that we have added the things we've taken away from God's Word, these are the things that are now destroying us. And the results are lives that are disapproved of God. One of the worst things in Timothy's day, and one of the worst things in our day, is false teaching and preachers and teachers who refuse to rightly divide the Word of Truth. That's the worst thing happening tonight in America. You say, now wait a minute, preacher. There's a lot of bad things happening. I totally understand that. But I want to tell you the worst thing that can happen to any society is when you have men and women standing with this book open and they're not cutting it straight. They are putting their own angles and their own slants on the truth of God. In other words, they are veering from the pattern. They've designed their own little curves and corners that sound better, that fit better, that please people. 
The average church now, if you, if you happen to listen, to the average church now, when they start, sounds like a pep rally. want to get everybody stirred up. It sounds like you're going to a ball game. Timothy, cut it straight. How we handle the Word of God, church, is the very essence of being approved by God. Now, you may ask, why, preacher? Because all of us are not preachers and teachers. I understand that. But all of us have a relationship to this Word. And, and, I, and I, want to, I want to close with this, leave these thoughts on your mind. You see, the Word of God was what Timothy had to rightly divide in order for him to be a workman that would be approved by God, that God would say, Timothy, I've put you, you're the metal, I've put you through the fire of this culture, and you came out weighty, and you came out exactly what I knew you were to be. I want to remind all of us tonight, the Word of God is our strength. The Word of God is our life. The Word of God is our hope. This Word and this Word alone tells us how to be saved. This Word and this Word alone tells us how to live. This Word and this Word alone teaches us how to marry. This Word and this Word alone teaches us how to raise and discipline our children. This Word and this Word alone tells us how to worship, how to witness, how to give, how to sing, how to pray, how to rejoice. This Word and this Word alone tells us all of these things. More than anything, this Word tells us how to prepare for judgment. And without this Word, none of us will be approved by God. If you and I fail tonight to be workmen in the Word, and I know you say, Preacher, I'm not a preacher, I'm not a teacher, I understand that, but you still have to be a craftsman in this Word. You still have to study, you have to be diligent and show your life approved unto God. And when you live your life according to this book, not according to what man says about this book, but according to this book, then your life will be approved of God. I know what it is to be scrutinized by a group of preachers, by a certain, a certain group of a denomination who want you to fit in their mold. And we approve Brother Safer because he A, B, C, or D. And we approve this or that because A, B, A, B, C, or D. Brother, that's no way to live life. And you know why? I'm not going to stand before them or give an account unto them. I'll stand before God and give an account unto Him. So don't worry about what others approve. Worry tonight and be concerned about His approval. How do we do that tonight? I want to leave this verse with you. Psalm 119, 105. The Bible said, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Be diligent, church. Study. Show yourself to be the metal and the product that God has made you. Be a workman. Be a craftsman who will not be ashamed when you stand before God. You have a choice tonight. Your name can be among the Phygelus and Hermogenes and the Hymenaeus and the Philetus. You, you can be in that group. You can be under Alexander the Coppersmith's group. Or you can be a Eunice and Lois. You can be an Onesiphorus. You can be a Luke. You can be a Priscilla and Aquila. You can be whatever you want to do. You can be that way by your being approved of God. Paul was not commanding Timothy to do anything that Paul himself was not already doing. To the Galatians, he wrote this, 
verse, Galatians 1.10, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Paul wanted to be approved of God. He wanted to be approved by God. And he was a diligent worker, an unashamed workman, because he lived by God's Word. And he wanted Timothy to be that same way. There's not a parent in here tonight that doesn't want that for their children. All of us do. No matter where our children are tonight, we want our children to someday stand before God and God to be pleased with the way they lived and served Him. Paul is saying to Timothy, do your work for the kingdom. Do your work, hold back nothing. Do your work for the kingdom. And then when it comes time to present yourself before God, that work will be approved. Paul was not perfect. Timothy would not be perfect. And neither will you and I be perfect. But he's saying what we do, we do it with a good conscience, a conscience that knows that we're doing it according to the Word of God. I know tonight I've failed in a thousand ways and probably will a hundred, a thousand more. But I want to know in my heart tonight that I've done my best for Him and that I've done it for Him. 2 Timothy 2.14 Paul said, I want you to remind the people, Timothy, I want you to charge them Part of my job as a pastor tonight is to remind you. You say, Preacher, you hadn't said a thing tonight that we didn't already know. Well, I didn't come to tell you something you didn't already know. I came tonight to remind you and to charge you. That's part of my duty as a pastor. To charge you, not to involve yourself with useless arguments and conversations. Not to take the Word of God and trim it to your liking. Not to round the edges not to shade the coin so it'll be lighter, but to be approved of God and say, this is the man that I saved. These are the gifts that I gave him. This is what he weighed in with. This is what he weighed out. And he has been approved by me as an unashamed workman. Verse 15 should be our prayer tonight. Lord, help us to be, to study, to be diligent. Help us to be workmen, craftsmen, that we will not be ashamed when we stand before God. I don't know about you tonight, but I still know a few craftsmen. Some, uh, I watch a few craftsmen on YouTube. I do. Uh, I don't know if that's a sin or not, but I watch them. I could sit sometimes for an hour and watch an excavator operator dig a hole or uproot a tree or clear a piece of property, and I, sometimes I watch his hands if, you, if he shows the inside of the cat. There's not a wasted movement. And I watch this one fellow down east in our state who does this. I watch him sometimes and watch him for a long time, and he hardly ever says anything. And then one day he told where he came from. As an eight-year-old boy, his father worked a backhoe, put in septic tanks. And he said, as an eight-year-old boy, I backed my first backhoe off the trailer, and my papa let me start digging. Now I know why he's doing what he's doing, and why he's making more money than his papa ever dreamed about. Because he had a mentor. He was an apprentice as a grandchild. Somebody trained him. Sitting in a dungeon in Rome, awaiting the beheading, and his home going. Paul will not waste the final days nor the final hours, but yet transfer that to Timothy and say, Son, do your very best 
Don't hold back anything. Make sure that when you're done with this, that through the Word of God and what you've learned from this book, you will be approved by God and you will stand before Him an unashamed workman. My greatest fear tonight is to see our works of wood, hay, and stubble burn. But if we do works that are pleasing to Him, those precious works of gold and silver, those precious things, they will be given to Him in honor and glory to His great name. Father, we thank You tonight for this not only charging and commanding word, but this encouraging word from the pen of the Apostle Paul. Lord, there's no way we can imagine the significance of what it meant to Timothy to hear these words from his father in the faith, his mentor, his preacher, the Apostle Paul. Lord, I pray tonight that we would understand that this is your word and you have given it to us tonight. And help us to understand that no matter how others are cutting corners and getting away from the pattern and how others have designed their own type of religion and Christian life, help us to remember tonight that we are to rightly divide the word of truth. We are to take your truth and cut it straight so all corners will fit. I pray right out of Western Lord Baptist Church, beginning in the pulpit, you would raise up men and women, boys and girls, who would be approved workmen, who would be approved craftsmen that could one day hear the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Grant it to be so, and grant it in the lives of our young people and children who are studying the Word of God tonight. Raise them up and help us to be examples before them of craftsmen and people who take the Christian life seriously so they in turn will desire to be serious and live for you. I pray you would do it for your glory and for your honor, for it's in your precious name we pray. Amen.